through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Verse number 20 is about you. Jesus has already prayed for you. He continues to do so. Is this not precious? On the eve of his crucifixion, he not only prays for his disciples then and there, he says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, for Dane and Joy Keeley, which shall believe on me through their word. That's pretty precious. The prayer indicated that God, Jesus didn't pray that you would have an easy life. He didn't pray that you would be healthy or wealthy or even wise. He prayed that you would be sanctified, set apart from the world. He didn't ask God to take you, dear God, save these people and then take them to heaven immediately. We want them to enjoy the bliss of heaven. We don't want them to go through what I've been through, just the opposite. Jesus prayed not that you'd be taken out of the world, but that you would go into the world like Jesus and so we learned last night that God expects us to stay clean in a dirty world. Psalm 119 that we referred to last night says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, to thy word. And we learned that last night, those of us that have a desire, and I'm going to say every one of us that name the name of Christ have a new nature, therefore, we that believe in Christ, we have a desire to live clean. I'm not trying to fight. With, if I have to fight with church members to live right, to do right, one of us are, are fulfilling the wrong role. We're supposed to be on the same team in the same family. I'm just trying to be an example to you as, as church members. That's what a pastor's for, to be an example to the flock so that you can see what it actually looks like to live a godly life. It's not that preachers are sinless, but you need a pastor that's blameless and knows how to deal with sin in his own life when it does happen. If he fails, he needs to confess it, forsake it, rather than cover it and try to uh, continue therein. Does that make sense? And for us as a church, it's not that a pastor is any better than anyone else in the church. It's just God's plan to help God's people see what it looks like. And then a pastor is going to develop others in the church to the place where it looks like you got 15 pastors when in reality you got one or two. But the people are equipped to do the work of the ministry and their character exudes the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also learned last night that we need help. We need wherewithal. Because the godliest man in this room still has the flesh. If the devil never bothered him, his flesh will. And sometimes we give the devil credit when in reality it's our flesh. It's our flesh that wants to sin. It's our flesh that's attracted to evil. And so we, we learned last night that we want to set up a, a wall, a barrier a, to help us maintain the convictions that we have in our life. 
and for maybe those that weren't here last night, let me define those three terms quickly one more time. We looked at three words that are very helpful for this study. We looked, first of all, at principles. Principle is a truth that never changes. Regardless of the dispensation, regardless of the location, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of, of acceptance, whether anybody accepts it or not. Man says, I don't believe in hell. You will. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't change it. Does that make sense? Otherwise, a truth is a truth. Doesn't make any difference if you accept it or not. So we were looking at principles last night. What was right for Adam is right for us. What was right for Noah is right for us. What's right for people in Florida is right for those in Minnesota and Shanghai and Moscow and anywhere on the planet. It doesn't make any difference if our country votes in the Supreme Court, votes against righteousness or votes for it. That doesn't change it. Truth is truth. And then we learn that a conviction is when I believe that truth and govern my life by it. And folks, that's a, that's a challenging thought for you as believers, especially if you've been saved for a decade or longer. You might be surprised to, if you would be honest with yourself, which it's very difficult for us to do that. Because when we feel convicted, we tend to explain or excuse why we do what we do. And so therefore, it's hard sometimes to see us as God sees us. And if we would be wise, we would say with the psalmist, search me, O God, try me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Otherwise, the psalmist is saying, I want to know if there's secret sin or something that I don't see. I'm presuming on you, God. I don't want that in my life. Show it to me. I'm, I'm laying myself out bare before you. You point it out, I'll make it right. I won't defend it. I won't excuse it. I want to make it right. Convictions are when a man governs his life by a truth of God's word. A standard, we learned, as a as an illustration from Moses and Aaron, they built a boundary, a wall, a fence, a barrier at the foot of the mountain because God told Moses, if anyone touches that mountain, they're going to die. Now Moses obviously gets up and announces that to the people, but he knows human nature. Human nature, some people just don't pay attention and sometimes they dial out during a sermon. Sometimes they're thinking of something else. And they caught maybe a part of it, but they didn't catch it all. And so for their benefit, he built a fence, a barrier, a wall of protection for them that it would bring to mind as they approached it, whoa, the mountain's on the other side. Now, folks, God didn't say you couldn't jump over the wall. You can jump over the wall if you want. You can sit on the wall. You can do a tap dance on the wall if you like. The wall isn't the important thing it's the mountain it's the god of the mountain the wall is just there to protect you to keep your convictions prone to wander lord i feel it and so we learned last night that all of us that want to live godly in christ jesus 
we want standards in our life to help us live a holy life. You can have standards and not live holy, but you can't live holy and not have standards. Are we all together? Now, I want to give you tonight, I want to give you three principles that I pray you would allow to govern your life. That these three principles would be three convictions, because in my humble opinion, which I am not the most intelligent man, and I'm certainly not a theologian, but I'm going to suggest these three principles pretty much include every other principle in God's Word. And certainly, a vast majority. There are many principles in God's Word, but if we would get these three principles and believe them and make them convictions, govern our life by them, and then establish standards for my own life, not yours, for my life, to keep those convictions, you're going to find yourself freer than you've been in years, and for some, decades. Number one, jot it down, Psalm 101, verse 3. The principle, and I'm going to say in parentheses write my conviction, of attention. The principle of attention. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. The principle of attention, and hopefully we make into a conviction, says, I'm going to focus on that which is clean and pure and right. And this conviction will keep me from sins like lust and covetousness. Think of how many men and women that have fallen into sensual sins like David and Samson because they, they looked at and set their attention on the wrong thing. Lot, Achan, Demas, they fell because they gave their attention to the wrong thing. And before we just get into a mail-bashing message, read Proverbs for you ladies if you feel like you're being excluded, and consider just the life of a strange woman. Go through your scriptures in Proverbs and look at the strange, God calls her a strange woman. Didn't just say she's a harlot. Didn't say she was immoral. He said he's strange, and that's the right interpretation. That's the right translation. Why is she strange? Because that's not why God made her. That's not what God's plan is for her. And her behavior is strange, and yet the, the dress, the activity of the strange woman in Proverbs is almost accepted as normal in the 21st century. And that's strange to God's people. When I believe this principle and make it a conviction to look on only clean, 
and pure and right things. It will keep me from looking at nakedness, sensual attractions, immoral activities, licentiousness that the world sets before me. I won't look at possessions, materialism, and achievements that the world says I have to have to be happy. You know what I'm talking about. You can't watch too many hours of TV without being indoctrinated with this stuff. Because I know my flesh is weak, I, I'm going to build standards in my life. This is my conviction. This is what I believe. I'm not going to look at, I'm not going to focus on, I'm not going to give my attention on those things that are not pure, clean, good, and holy. But I know my flesh is weak, so i got to put in some standards. And can I say this kindly? I, I have standards for my children. I mentioned slacks the other night, so I'll just reuse that. I'm not going to go through a whole litany of uh, standards that we had as a family, because then you might not like me anymore. But when we raised our girls, we trained them. We wanted them to dress like ladies, and it was important to us that they, that they learn how to walk like a lady, sit like a lady, behave like a lady. And so we dressed them in dresses. And being one year apart, I mean, they were five, four, three, two, one. And so we lived in a country town of 2,800, and you have five little girls in five dresses. Word gets around in the community, and those of you who live in small communities, you know what I'm talking about. They knew the Humbert girls. And I remember my oldest, who, who is the most outspoken 